Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. When I was like nine or ten years old, my mother and my grandmother, we all went on a picnic out in the country to this lake. It was getting dark and we decided to leave. My grandmother took the wrong turn and she didn't realize it. We were traveling down this dirt road for a long ways, she realized that we had gone the wrong way and we pulled up to this driveway. By this time it was night and there was a glowing pillar that we noticed off the side of the road. It was like a bluish white pillar and we started driving up closer to it and I remember my mother started screaming, back the car up, and she started beating her hands on the dashboard and we could see that it was an apparition of a woman 
and it was drifting towards the car. And so we got the heck out of there. All three of us seen it. I, as the witness in this unsettling incident, consider myself a level-headed and respected individual. It was upon returning home that I noticed something peculiar, a bright green, coin-like circle hovering in the air above the refrigerator. Initially, I dismissed it as a portable flashlight accidentally left switched on by my wife. However, when I inquired about it, she denied any involvement. My gaze returned to the mysterious green light, and to my astonishment, it seemed to be growing in size and intensity. Suddenly, the object began to move, performing intricate circular motions as it flew around me in a bewildering trajectory. Heat emanated from the light, accompanied by an eerie whistling sound. To my disbelief, the green light expanded further, transforming into the shape of a human-like head. Overwhelmed, I feared that my sanity was slipping away and turned my face to the wall, seeking solace and prayer to Allah. Despite my fervent prayers, when I cautiously glanced over my shoulder, the image persisted before me a humanoid form covered entirely in dense fur, resembling an ape. It stood tall, with powerful shoulders and a muscular physique. Its single eye, positioned in the middle of its forehead, emitted a penetrating red beam, akin to that of a flashlight. The entity lacked a neck, and its head sat squarely atop its robust frame. As the intruder began to float just above the floor, advancing towards the room where my children were peacefully sleeping, panic surged within me. Hastily, I rushed ahead of the entity, reaching my children in time to shield them with my own body. In that harrowing moment, I found solace in prayer once again, beseeching Allah to protect me and my precious children from this hairy monster. The creature floated towards the bed, briefly covering us before picking us up and swiftly placing us back down, unharmed. It then retreated, standing motionless at a distance from the bed. Though the humanoid did not make any threatening gestures, I trembled in sheer horror, hiding my head under the safety of the bed sheets, continuing my earnest prayers. Soon thereafter, the doors creaked and a loud slamming sound echoed through the apartment, awakening my wife. Her presence confirmed the reality of the encounter, as she, too, attested to never experiencing any hallucinations. The memory of that night plagued me, the fear of the creature's return and potential abduction of myself and my children lingering in my thoughts. Eventually, we made the decision to move to another apartment, seeking solace and distance from the haunting events that had transpired. As my wife and I drove through the rain-soaked isolated area, a peculiar sight unfolded before us. It resembled an accident scene, with numerous flashing lights casting an eerie glow. Intrigued by the commotion, I instinctively slowed down, hoping to offer assistance. As we drew nearer, what we initially mistook for an ambulance revealed itself to be an object resembling a large soda can, lying on its side, propped up by three peculiar legs. Its creamy color took on an otherworldly appearance, accentuated by a vibrant red halo encircling it. The air buzzed with flashing lights emanating from the enigmatic craft. Caught up in our fascination, my wife suddenly let out a blood-curdling scream, jolting my attention away from the object. I turned around to see two figures approaching our car, their presence unnerving. These beings, best described as bug-like, boasted heads reminiscent of praying mantises. Yet their bodies retained a humanoid form, encased in bluish-gray jumpsuits. Fear gripped us as the unimaginable came into focus. Driven by terror, I, armed with a gun, instinctively reached for my weapon and discharged two shots towards the road, hoping to create a deterrent. The sudden commotion seemed to startle the alien figures, 
compelling them to retreat hastily toward their cylindrical craft, which had landed nearby. Realizing the gravity of the situation, I floored the accelerator, the tires screeching as we raced away from the unfolding scene. As I glanced back in my rearview mirror, my heart sank. Additional humanoid figures, resembling the ones we encountered, gathered around the craft. Their numbers grew to about nine or ten, standing as silent sentinels, while the object remained motionless. We could only imagine the secrets it held. It was a sight that defied explanation, one that etched an indelible mark of disbelief and fear upon our souls. The craft, however, offered us no answers as it stayed rooted to the spot, concealing its mysteries from our bewildered gazes. We escaped its presence, but the encounter left us forever questioning the nature of the unknown, forever wary of the potential truths lurking beyond our comprehension. As I stood atop the Neolithic mound on that crisp, clear afternoon, accompanied by my husband Philip and our eight-year-old son Edward, I anticipated a moment of tranquility and awe. However, my solitude was abruptly shattered when I spotted a group of people approaching the site from the northwest, traversing the adjacent field. At first, there appeared to be around five individuals, with one smaller figure leading the way and the others forming two pairs. They marched purposefully towards Bella's nap along the field boundary, dressed uniformly in dark, grayish-black attire. Their pale, oval faces peeked out from beneath pointed hoods, their features translucent and ethereal. They drew nearer, only a few hundred yards away, and my disappointment grew. My attention momentarily wavered as my son Edward demanded my attention. When I looked back towards the approaching group, a jolt of surprise coursed through me. More figures had emerged, joining the procession. I urgently informed my husband, emphasizing that there were now hundreds of people coming our way. Impatiently, I urged him to hurry, for at least a dozen of them seemed to be purposefully advancing towards our location. These new arrivals seemed to materialize from the shadowy recesses of the overhanging evergreen trees and bushes nestled between the two nearby fields. Every figure sported a hood, maintaining a steady pace behind the smaller leading figure. From my vantage point, I deduced that the front figure must have been a child, approximately 12 years old, as they stood only half the height of their companions. Curiously, I could not discern any part of their bodies below knee level, as if they were wading through long, pale dead grass that obscured their lower limbs. They marched in unison, closely hugging the hedge line, never once turning towards their companions. Despite their vigorous stride, they appeared to remain in the same position within the field. Their progress towards the long barrow seemed halted, as if they were traversing a slope, descending into a ditch before ascending on the other side. Growing annoyed by their intrusion, I cast one final glance in their direction before deliberately turning my back and making my way to the opposite end of the mound. Yet, to my disturbance as I reached my destination, they seemed even further away than before, persisting in their resolute advance. I rejoined my son and husband, the latter having completed his photographic endeavors. However, to our surprise, as Philip climbed the mound to take a look, we discovered that the group had vanished without a trace. A sense of unease settled within me, leaving me to ponder the enigmatic encounter. What had transpired on that ancient mound, and where had the hooded figures vanished to? The memory of that day, the inexplicable march of the silent procession, remains etched in my mind, forever a reminder of the mysteries that dwell within the folds of time and space. One of my cousin's brothers told me this story. He works in construction, and he told me a story about three of his friends that he works with. The three guys are Mexican. 
Of the three of them, one is an older guy. This story takes place east of Flagstaff, Arizona, heading towards Loop. I would say about 20 miles from Flagstaff. There are a lot of cinder cones hills in that area. There's a stretch of H. Igwe that goes down a long hill. The three guys were driving from Flagstaff one night. I don't remember where he said they were going, but it was late and the older man was driving. They started down the long hill. When they were halfway down, they witnessed something very crazy and weird. They saw a centaur half-man or half-horse jump into the center of the road. They said it was very big, at least seven to eight feet tall. It had long hair, and it was carrying a wooden club in one hand. They said it had a very mean-looking evil face. The sight of it freaked them out, and the guy that was driving swerved off the road, and they rolled the truck. They crawled out of the vehicle, and the older guy that was driving was having a heart attack. They called 911, and soon they were taken to Flagstaff Medical Center. They didn't tell anyone about what they witnessed because they feared nobody would believe them. The older man recovered, and they all kept asking each other if they really saw the centaur. They all agreed that they all saw it. They told my cousin about, and he said he went to a Navajo medicine man. He asked the medicine man about it. The man told him that it is true. He said that there are seven centaurs that people have seen over the years. The one that they saw, with the long hair, is the evil one. The mean one. I've heard stories that friends told me when we were kids growing up. I wasn't sure if they were real, but after hearing this I think they are real. My cousin said the three men are still traumatized by the experience, and they said they will never travel again during the night. Anyway, I wanted to share this story with the group. So this happened to my cousin, and not me. He owns a house in the city, and his parents live maybe an hour or so away from him on a nice little chunk of property, few acres not incredibly remote, but it's somewhere where people won't usually be driving at night. So I guess he was doing some renos on his house and decided to stay with his parents while the work was being done and so one night, he's driving home and when he's pretty close, he notices a car come up super quick behind him. He moves over a bit so they can pass him, but they don't. As he's getting closer to the house, I guess he's starting to freak out a bit so his plan is to just get home and run inside. So he gets to the start of the driveway, kind of a long country driveway, and another car comes from the other direction and tries to block him. Now he knows something is up, and when he's close to the house, he starts yelling for my uncle to grab his gun so he makes it inside and locks the door. This is one of those sort of heavy metal doors with no windows, as there's black bears in the area and my uncle comes downstairs, half asleep panicked and ready to shoot whoever is out there the guys get to the door and start like full-on trying to kick it down my uncle makes some threats my aunt calls the cops and the guys just kind of leave no idea what the f was going on i'm guessing some kind of a robbery but who knows back in 1988 i lived many miles out in the arizona desert at that time i worked two jobs and a lot of hours each month I worked my schedules out so that I had four days in a row off. During this time I would mess around with my hot rod and race to make a little extra money. I was always doing stuff to my car to improve speed, performance whatever edge I could get. Well on one of my days off I installed a new carb and dialed it in. I always took my car out to the desert to test it. On this particular day I had worked until evening, but I took it out for a test anyway. So I was having fun testing her out, and it got dark on me. Instead of trying to get back home, I decided to just stay and sleep in my car. 
I was just driving around finding a place to park and sleep. I came across this old adobe and decided I'd check it out and sleep. It was kind of small and an old ruin. I found an old fireplace inside, and it looked more comfortable than sleeping in my car. I grabbed a flashlight, turned on my headlights, and gathered a little brush and some small bit of wood. I grabbed a blanket from my car and an old cushion I had for a pillow. So I built a little fire and settled in. In the morning I awoke early, gathered my stuff, and headed back to an old 1950s trailer where I lived. A friend stopped by to visit later in the day. He had lived in that area all his life and was very familiar with the desert there. So he asks, where was I last night since he had stopped by with some whiskey, but you weren't home. So I told him the story of where I was. When I got to the part about the adobe, he listened. Then he asked about the adobe. I told him where it was, and he said that there is no adobe out there. I said, yeah, I slept there. He still said no adobe. So I said, jump in the car, I'll show you. So we drove around and I found the spot, but there was no adobe. My tire tracks were there. I could still see where I built the fire. Everything is there, but no adobe. He's quiet as unconfused, looking around. I said to him that it was here last night. He says that he's been here all his life and knows this desert. There has been no adobe here. He says that I went somewhere maybe into the past, but there isn't no adobe here. He's never seen one here ever in his life. So I don't know what happened that night. I wasn't drunk or high and I know it was there. So I looked for it for years, but never found it again. Does anyone out there know what happened that night? This happened when I was 15 years old back in 1979. It doesn't matter how long ago an incident like this occurs because once it does, the trauma burns into your brain. I was at Little Pipe Creek in the small town of Flora, Indiana, where I grew up. It was just a mile or so from where the creek empties into the Wabash River. My friends and I hung out there every day during the summer. It was late afternoon and we had just arrived at our spot. As we approached the creek, I looked up at a tree about 100 feet away and there is a figure in it. It had long brown hair and it was swinging from limb to limb, but it was straight up and down about six feet tall. I'm there with my two other friends. When I notice the figure, I say, what is that? It's not a monkey, but it's swinging like a monkey, but it's not a human either. Back then we didn't know what Bigfoot was and this sighting lasted a good five minutes. We're sitting there watching it. I had no fear in me at all. Then all of a sudden, I just had the most fear I've ever felt in my life and I told my friends, we gotta go, we have to go right now. I think the Bigfoot or whatever somehow put that sense of fear in me. The sensation was so sudden and strong. So we take off up the nearby hill and head home. I'm going faster than my friends. I'm up in the weeds and I'm scared. And then my friend said, go, go, go. A man is chasing us. A man is chasing us. I thought he was joking. I looked around at his face and I've never seen such a look of fear on his face before. We lived about half a mile away and when we got home I go, a guy was chasing us, he goes. Well, it looked like a man, but it was big and hairy. We were scared to return to the spot, but a few weeks later we gathered our courage and walked back to the creek. When we got there, it looked like a bomb had gone off. Several of the small and medium-sized trees were uprooted and tossed into the creek. But the first thing we noticed as we approached was the unmistakable odor of decay and death. We looked at the destruction as we stood several yards away from the creek. That is when we noticed the source of the stench. There were at least three deer carcasses and several small dead animals strewn throughout the site. 
We were getting ready to leave after only a few minutes. Then I started to again feel a strong and sudden urge to run from the area. That's when we heard a horrific scream coming from the surrounding woods. We instinctively ran toward home. That was the last time that I ever went back to the location. Several years later, after I had moved away, I ran into one of my friends who had experienced the incident with me. He stayed in Flora, got married, and built a house. He told me that the big hairy man had been seen and reported along Little Pipe Creek by other witnesses. So I don't typically believe this kind of stuff, but I had a strange encounter a while back that I was telling my coworker about, and they insisted I saw a rake. I've been doing some research since I had no idea what his was, and it looks very similar to what I saw. Anyway, I was driving home from work at 1.30 a.m. about two months ago and was heading down this typically busy side street, except since it was late there wasn't a lot of traffic, just a jeep in front of me. As I was driving around a bend in the road, I saw in my peripheral this figure to my right by the sidewalk standing between two small trees held up by wire supports. The creature was standing kind of behind them. At first I thought it was just a big slender dog like a white greyhound or Great Dane that escaped and seemed to be standing and barking at traffic by the sidewalk. I only noticed it as I began to pass by. As I passed by, though, I quickly noticed it appeared to have a humanoid-shaped head with black eyes, a hunched back posterior, and a long, stretched mouth like it was screaming. I was going about 45 miles per hour when I passed, and it was dark out. I thought to myself, yo, WTF was that? So I slowed down quickly to look back, and in my mirror I saw the creature turn around and run towards a wood fence, but as it ran I saw how tall and slender the creature was. It seemed pale with a kind of anorexic appearance. It moved strangly and its leg joints were inverted and bent the opposite direction. At that point I was seriously creeped out. The jeep in front of me also slowed down, so I could only assume they saw it too. We both kept driving as it was late and couldn't stop in the middle of the road, but that situation really made my skin crawl. I kept checking my mirrors for the rest of the drive home and debating if I should have called a non-emergency line to have an officer check it out, but I told myself they would think I was an idiot. Now every night when I take that road, I look around to see if I can spot an agent. I really want to believe it was just a dog, but I can't stop thinking about how strangly it moved with its backwards knees. I haven't talked about this much except to my co-worker because quite frankly it sounds ridiculous. I'm just wondering WTF I actually saw, and if it's something I should even be talking about, or if I should continue to pretend I never saw anything and just move on with my life. My great-grandfather did trucking for a while. I also know quite a few drivers. I might do it eventually. I've heard anything from guys being hopped up on Red Bull or Monster Energy and seeing a quote, pink piggy with a tutu dancing in the street in the middle of the night. Whenever anyone saw that it was time to pull off and go to bed, no matter how stretched for time you were. A relative of mine saw some 60-foot icicles somewhere in Virginia. I honestly don't remember where it was. Probably one of the most dangerous was when me and my dad were waiting for a delivery, and it was just after 4.45 a.m. At this point, and the driver called my dad and said he'd hit a power line just down the road. Me and my dad hopped in the car to check on the guy, he's a friend, and he said some hillbilly-looking guy missing a fee teeth came out of nowhere and said, Oh, you ain't got nothing to worry about, that's just a cable line. Cable meaning telephone internet. The guy picks up the line with his bare hands and pulls it off the road and walks off. 
That was just weird. I don't know if that's what you guys are looking for, but that's the weirdest stuff I got. I work as a broadcast engineer. One night in September 2015, I received a phone call around 9.30-10ish p.m. from the on-duty engineer that our OTA over the air signal had gone out, and we were off the air on our OTA platform. The call was with several other engineers as well as my boss at the time. We figured out that the problem was at our transmitter and must be corrected manually. My boss asked for someone to volunteer to go with him, and after a few seconds of awkward silence I offered. So our RF transmitter site was located on top of Beacon Mountain in Beacon, New York, which was about an hour plus from our station. At the time, I had never been up there, so going in the middle of the night was a little spooky. I met my boss and we drove together, got to the mountain a little before midnight. The road up the mountain to the transmitter site is a long, narrow, windy and steep dirt road with a lot of big loose rocks, so the drive up and down is scary enough. I can't emphasize enough how dark this drive was like pitch black. A few times while going up we would see headlights coming towards us of people out with their off-road jeeps, which wouldn't be as weird if it weren't the middle of the night. We also saw two different campfires deep in the woods, which I just assumed were groups of locals hanging out drinking. My boss told me that locals hung out near the transmitter site sometimes and should be avoided as they had a tendency to be sketchy. It didn't seem too sketchy to me, but what did I know? It was my first time there. My boss also told me that he never travels to that mountain. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Without a gun. He said it's more than the locals. I've seen stuff out here I can't really explain. We get to the top, do our work on our transmitter, close everything up, and start to head back down. As we were heading down, we were at a particularly steep part of the road when you have to ride your brake because the car won't stop till the incline levels out a little. All of a sudden, three deer sprint out in front of us, not even looking at our oncoming car, causing us to swerve since we were already riding the brake. The front of the car hit a rock which stopped our momentum. My boss instantly turned the car off and once the sound of the engine died, we heard something big run the opposite direction away from the road up the natural slope of the hill. I shined my flashlight in the direction, but whatever it was, was already out of sight. We could still see branches moving and leaves settling from being disturbed by whatever ran away. I asked my boss if he thought that was another deer or possibly a bear and he replied, Bears run on all fours, whatever that was ran on two legs. And bears don't hunt deer, something was chasing them. When we first heard the footsteps, I would estimate they were as close as 10-15 feet from the car when it started to run away but appeared to be standing over us as there was a natural incline up the mountain. There are a few logical explanations like that my boss was just trying to scare me or that it was a local walking running through the woods, but here are a few things to consider. Yes, it could have been a person walking alone through the woods, but why chase the deer? And why run away from the car? Also, whatever ran away was out of sight quickly, like within three, four seconds of starting to run up the hill. This person would have to be in the greatest shape ever to run that quickly up this hill. 
This also sounded way too big to be a bobcat, mountain lion, or coyote. My boss is not the kind of guy that would try to scare people. He's a very stern, all-business type of guy. He seemed pretty rattled by this and wanted to get off the mountain ASAP. He later confided in me that he thought it may have been a Bigfoot. I ended up going back up that mountain many more times before leaving for a new job, and I never saw or heard anything like that night. However, I never went back after sunset. I no longer work for this company, and this company no longer owns the transmitter site, so I will likely never have a reason to go back. I don't know of any reported sightings or experiences in the area, but I do know that over the years there have been many car accidents on that road. I assume all the accidents are due to the poor condition of it, but honestly, I have no idea. The year was 1970. I worked for Caltrans as a right-of-way agent for the state of California. I was taking some legal documents over to Bakersfield to have a county judge sign. I was traveling on Route 58 west of Mojave towards Bakersfield and east of Tehachapi in my 1957 Chevrolet state car. A state highway maintenance crew was repairing the westbound lanes. Traffic was stopped in these two lanes for up to 15 minutes. I pulled right off of the highway to a dirt and gravel turnout and backed up to a low-level brush and rock area with no dirt roads behind me. I sat in the car for a few minutes and decided to take a look at the documents I was taking to Bakersfield for the judge. Before I got the documents out, I noticed something in my rear view's mirror and turned to see what it was. I was amazed to see a vehicle directly behind my car with two individuals wearing gray-white suits. Mine was the only car on the turnout. No car could have possibly gone around the front or the back without me seeing or hearing it. There was no sound at all. I continued to look directly at the car and individuals directly through the back window. The car was maroon in color with a dark top. The grille looked similar to an older Buick. The license plate was light in color with no discernible markings. The two individuals in the car, as stated, wore jump-type suits with no buttons. They were slender with no visible hat or hair, and their bodies appeared to be smaller than the average-sized man. Their eyes were very dark and semi-oval, little larger than a normal human. They stared at me and never blinked. They both had two small holes for their nose, very small mouths, no lips, and I couldn't see any ears nor could I see their arms due to their car hood hiding over half of their bodies. After a few minutes of staring at each other, I noticed light traffic starting to slowly move on the highway again to the west. So I drove from my parking area out to the paved highway going towards Bakersfield again. The highway's westbound lanes were now open for the public. I was driving about normal speed in the right-hand lane, just west of where the state construction was. Looking to my left, I saw a maroon car driving at my speed, parallel to me with the same individuals I had seen at the turnout. The driver looked continuously to the front. I immediately noticed that he had no nose and he was bald. The passenger in the car was again staring directly at me. We drove parallel to each other for about 15 seconds. I didn't know what to do, so I waved my hand at them as if to say goodbye. They immediately sped down the highway and disappeared around a moderate curve to the right. I sped up to try and see the maroon car again, but it had disappeared. There were rather steep rock cliffs on the right side and no place to turn off the highway. The next day, driving from Bakersfield to Bishop, I stopped at the same turnout of my first encounter and went to the same spot. I saw my tire tracks from the previous day, but saw no other tracks behind mine. Wow, as you might deduce, I've never breathed a word of these happenings for decades to anyone for fear of being ridiculed. I've mulled over this experience many times over the years, 
This is my true story of a very strange, mysterious, and profound event. Lately, I've been seeing a lot more stories on Reddit about Yowie sightings and encounters. So I myself was driving home one evening and saw something that disturbed me to my core. Myself and two fellow officers were driving down this country road towards the station. It was maybe right about one in the morning after a very long shift. The roads can be pretty dangerous sometimes, and we're always on high alert for anything out of the ordinary. We spotted something up ahead near an old abandoned building, so we slowed down to see what it was. It was the movement that caught our eye. As we got closer, I realized it was not any animal we'd ever seen. It was tall, bipedal, hairy, with big eyes, and had claws like a bear. But it clearly was not a bear. But like a bear, it also stood upright. It was just standing there, looking right at us. It did not have any clothes on either, so I was pretty rattled. We pulled up about several hundred feet away, stopped to get a better look at it. We knew this wasn't one of the new aliens they're always talking about. This was something else. Though I will admit, we're all fairly seasoned officers, this thing really spooked us. Enough that one of my fellow officers turned around right then, drove off without saying anything to me or my other friend. He must have had his reasons that he took off. While we were still in the process of trying to find out what happened, this thing began making strange sounds. We tried to get a closer look, but we felt too afraid to get closer. I feel like had we gotten out of the car and gone up the hill to where this was, whatever that thing was, it would have attacked us. Was it a Yowie? It just had this sort of dangerous demeanor about it. So we decided to leave it. Instead, I'm kind of glad my partner took off. I think he knew something I did not back then. I know for sure now though. Cryptids are real, and Yowie is one of them for sure. In fact, my childhood friend saw another one years ago in the forest near his home. Once we were young teenagers, he's been trying to convince me ever since that all those other stories we've heard are probably true. I guess we know that he was right about at least some of them. I don't know what's going on, but I'm glad to see there are others out there like me and my friend who believe in these creatures and are not afraid to speak out about it. It's time we get the word out that they are real. People need to recognize this kind of thing is happening every day all around us, even if most people can't see it or just simply refuse to accept it. That and stop perpetuating the stories and rumors about Sasquatch and Bigfoot being demons or something. We know better than that by now, right? I'm Akita, Sioux native that had this terrifying encounter with an unknown predator. So I grew up in the heart of the Appalachians, near a dense and mysterious woodland. My closest companion in this wilderness was Red Bull, a fearless and adventurous friend who shared my curiosity for the unknown. One fateful day, after a successful bison hunt, Red Bull and I decided to venture deeper into the woods in search of the carcass we had left behind. As we made our way through the underbrush, a sudden chill swept through the forest, causing the hairs on the back of my neck to stand on end. I exchanged a wary glance with Red Bull, both of us sensing an eerie presence lurking nearby. The familiar sounds of the woods seemed to fade into an unnatural silence. Then we saw it. Emerging from the darkness was a figure unlike anything we had ever encountered. It stood tall on its two hind legs, its elongated arms brushing against the ground like a bear in disguise. The creature's gaunt frame gave an impression of extreme malnourishment, with a crooked spine that contorted its form. Its face was a grotesque sight, lacking the majestic horns of a bull, but adorned with a tangled mane of neck hair. Its skin, bathed in the ethereal glow of moonlight, shimmered with a haunting gray hue, 
and its eyes glowed with an unnatural, piercing light. My heart pounded in my chest as I locked eyes with this monstrous cryptid. Its presence sent a shiver down my spine, and I could feel the weight of its gaze penetrating my very soul. In sheer terror, Red Bull and I turned and ran for our lives. Our pounding footsteps echoed through the forest, accompanied by the echoing howls of the creature in pursuit. It seemed relentless, its unearthly speed closing in on us. But just as it drew dangerously close, an inexplicable change came over the creature. It abruptly ceased its pursuit, losing interest in our escape. Breathless and trembling, we reached the safety of our tribe's encampment. We dared not speak of what we had witnessed, fearing that our story would be met with disbelief or worse, that it would invite the creature's return. We sought solace in each other's silence, yet the memory of that nightmarish encounter haunted our thoughts. I never really talked about this, but 1968. I was on an ambush patrol out of a fire base in Vietnam. We used to go out at night like an Indian raiding party and basically try to F up the resupply of the Vietnamese around our area. We had a few players in the fight, including the howitzers of the fire base and the spooky gunships. We would use both for backup when things got sticky. We also could call movers, which were Mustangs and F4 Thunder Chiefs, to run a hot nape, napalm drop on our numbers. So we were out playing in the woods chasing Charlie and harassing his pack animals, and we see the mother load bicycle tracks. They were deep and wide bikes were carrying a hell of a load, and the edges were different so it was many bikes in step. Sweet time to party. So I won't lie about it we used to smoke a lot of grass, and it was mostly drizzled with opium. I was 19 in a weird hostile country for reasons I didn't get, killing people I had no reason to kill so you would do drugs too. We smoked up on a squat and set out to kill anything that moved. We had Spooky flying in to help as soon as we let him know the pan was hot. Spooky would circle us and dump lead rain into the woods. Spooky runs were like calling in a flying chainsaw. Everything got cut to bits, and usually if a weed and a stick was left standing, then the enemy got lucky. We heard the trail going live and knew we had a great ambush spot. The smell hit me, it was wrong. Usually in the wet jungle, you smell the odor of men. Urine and cigarettes and candles that the Vietnamese used to guide their way. Those were normal smells, rice and sweet milk smells, things like that were okay. This was not okay. It almost smelled like rotten meat. More dense and concentrated than any smell should have been, a few of us picked up on it. We dumped our fire in and took return fire, back and forth as usual. The spot we picked was a huge slow bend where the trail went uphill and was basically protected by a 12 to 15 foot wide band of brush and trees, and then a dirt hill behind it, nowhere to run or hide. Lights kept coming down toward us and we kept shooting, noise and movement got lead on it. It was crazy, they just kept coming to the spot. Spooky came in, did her job, and the band of trees was gone. The whole trail was open, no way Charlie could survive any of this. So many rounds screamed into the hill. We sat on the spot till morning the sun came up, and we went up to do our body count. Pointless because they dragged off the dead, so you guessed based on heel marks and drips of blood, not a single body. No drags, no evidence, a single thing had been there. Bullet holes and trees chewed up. Not a single thing to show we had hit anything. We all agreed we saw something. We all agreed we saw no evidence of humans dead or otherwise. So about a week later guys on patrol call and a fast mover strike to Napalm the same area. No bodies, no marks, nothing. And talking about it, we all discovered that we had the same smell experience, the dead rotten meat smell. 
I think this happened about four times where napalm and gunships tore the place apart and never was anything found. No dropped gear, no blood. Nothing like poof, they were gone. We saw soldiers, we saw bikes and boxes and bags It was there. I can't explain it and I can't offer a thought. I know what I saw and smelled and felt I just can't tell you where they went. The hill was heavily bombed, CO thought maybe a tunnel complex ran under and the tunnels were used as an escape route. That doesn't work in my mind. Napalm is as indiscriminate of a killer as one can get. Even if you were standing ready to jump in a tunnel, napalm is still going to melt your lungs. I got some shrapnel in my calf and shin another night, so I never had an ambush on that trail area again. But as far as I know, it was never explained. Being set out like that, even with a bunch of guys, we were still basically alone and had to live with the rules of the jungle. Monkeys and cats and things like that mess with your mind. This was different. You felt nothing the whole. I feel him looking at me wasn't part of it. None of us felt afraid or sensed something different than any ambush. It just happened. So it was my junior year of college and every year around October or November my girlfriend's sorority would have a function called the Great Outdoors. Every girl in the sorority invites a date and things usually get pretty rowdy 125 plus people. Anyways, the location of this event changes each year. This year, we were set to go about two hours from campus to a secluded camping ground that was in Missouri. We all attended the University of Arkansas, which is in the Ozark Mountains and close to the MO border. So we left for this function late in the afternoon and didn't take the exit for the campground until the sun was beginning to set. After taking the exit, we were told to follow signs that the sorority had set up along the way to get us to the campsite. Easy enough, they were all in bright pink and just indicated when and where to turn. We had been following these signs for about 45 minutes when I realized it had been about 20 minutes since we had seen our last sign that indicated a turn. With that being said, the dirt road we were on was getting more and more into the depths of the woods and the, you could tell that this road had been way less traveled on than any of the others we had been on. A few minutes go by, I start to get worried but don't want to freak out the girls in the car so I just sit back and keep looking for pink signs. Finally, we stumble upon a sort of hidden house that was not hidden in the woods, but definitely didn't stand out. The dirt road dead ended at the house, and the only way to turn around would be to pull up close to the house where there was small patch of gravel. We were in a four-door, non-four-wheel drive car. Upon pulling up toward the house, I see two three men standing off the side of the road, still hidden in the dark, yet visible all with what seemed to be Kevlar vest on and what looked like sub-automatic guns. I own eight guns and would say they resembled a UMP-45. I immediately tell my buddy to stop the car and put it in reverse. He does not. He continues to drive up towards the house to turn around. Obviously, he had not noticed the guns. He rolls down the window and explains the situation, now obviously seeing the guns. The man told us that he wasn't sure where we were headed, but the road dead ends here and that we best get headed in the other direction before things start to get scary for us. Needless to say, we screamed out of there. Girls were crying. Upon rolling out, me and the other guy noticed about 20 propane tanks on the side of the house. They were definitely cooking a lot of meth. It was the most hills have eyes experience I have ever had. I lived in Mexico. It's a decent part of Mexico, close to the border, minimal crime, and it's silent 99% of the time. The issue is that my family couldn't afford a telephone and the nearest hospital was across the border. 
We were near the beach so the rain would get pretty wicked. My grandmother always told us to run inside when it rained or the owls will get you. She then proceeded to lock the steel gate and the solid wood door with four different locks. One day I asked, what were the owls? She simple went stone-faced. I have never seen anything but a nice smile or the lip quiver of worry from her so as a kid my heart sank. She didn't give me an answer. Later that week a storm hit and I played out by the sea. She said, hurry. The owls will make you weak to the ocean and take you away. I, being a punk that I was, stayed and splashed some more. She simply started walking away. I freaked out and followed. She was old so she couldn't run, but even I had trouble keeping up. The rain hit us and she locked the doors and prayed. I'm sorry. Later that night as we were walking upstairs and I saw something that warped what I thought was normal. Two shadows on the walls. One short and stubby and one long and scrawny, no bigger than a child. Their size didn't make sense. They had such. Small twisted figures and the worst part. I couldn't see them. I could only witness their shadows. I couldn't tell if they were inside or had been locked out. I instinctively held my grandmother's hand and stared to where I thought they were. My grandma moved my head so I looked forwards. The more you see, the more they see you. I slept in her bed that night. To this day I still see twisted shadow figures. Less often sure, but others can see them too. They simply look past the shadows and pass it off as an illusion. I can't be in the ocean for more than 13 minutes without my body weakening. I tried to prove it to some friends, and they had to carry me out of the water because I couldn't support my own weight. You can choose to believe me or not, but that secluded part of Mexico. It was the scariest place I ever visited. I have seen a dogman multiple times. The first time was when I was a child growing up in Alabama. My brother and I both saw it. It was about six feet tall standing on its back legs and had a face like a wolf dark fur and reddish eyes. Saw it multiple times that summer, but never as close. A few years later, I saw it peering into my window while I was trying to fall asleep. My parents never believed me, of course, but I insisted on changing rooms and always kept the blinds shut. The last time I saw one was when I was about 22 hiking with a group of friends. We were about four miles from the trailhead and I needed to take a piss. They kept hiking as I am generally faster than them and knew I would catch up. When I was done with my business and turned around, I saw the same head peeking from behind a tree. Camping in the Sierra Nevadas a few weeks back when that wildfire was going on up at Wishon. Wake up at 2 a.m. for no reason, lay my head back down and close my eyes until I hear blood-curdling screams echoing through the hills. I'm talking like the kind of sound that you never want to hear come from a human, kind of high-pitched and lots of fluctuation in it like how your own voice cracks when you're yelling as loud and as hard as you can. This went on for like a minute and a half, two minutes, somewhere in there. So at the time I'm thinking that I'm hearing someone being attacked by a bear or something, but I was probably just hyping myself up over what was more than likely a fox or a big cat. But still, that was creepy as hell. Oh yeah, and that same night before going to bed, I heard twigs being stepped on just outside of our campsite, maybe 20 yards out in the woods. I kept listening, and when it didn't stop I grabbed a flashlight and waved it through the trees, and I could have sworn that I saw something duck behind a tree. But I'm willing to admit that this was more than likely my mind playing tricks on me. I live out pretty far north in Canada, British Columbia. 
I lived in a place called Prince Rupert for a few years, small population of 5,000 and very wooded also right by the ocean. I was DD for my friends a few years back, and we were driving along the highway around midnight. The part of the highway we were on was very wooded. Now I was sober since I was the driver. I noticed a figure off the side of the road. It kind of looked like a bear, but very large even for a grizzly. As we approached this creature, stood on its hind legs and looked at us approaching. It ran a few steps along the side of the road, then went into the thick forest. My hair was standing on end, and I had goosebumps everywhere absolutely shocked. Now my friends were no shape to collaborate what I saw, but I believe I saw Bigfoot.